Okay, so the big question, and I didn't realize it was a big question, is does next-gen TV get better in a coast-to-coast trip? That's our first story today. Digital ad fraud seems to be at an unprecedented level, according to our friend Bob Hoffman. And our auto expert, Ed Steenman, okay, sometimes he's the car dude, is correct again. Good morning. Welcome to the latest episode of Media Insultant. I'm Jackson Weaver in Seattle, and my co-host is Keith Samuels, who's in Los Angeles, Southern California, the hills of Hollywood. Uh, We do this each Tuesday and Friday. Are you going to correct me on your location? Nope, I'm right in the hills of Hollywood. There you go. Uh, There you go. You nailed it. We do... We do this each Tuesday and Friday, so we'd like to welcome you to the Tuesday, June 14th episode of Media Insultant. Well, the drumbeat for next-gen TV just continues. And, and, and frankly, this latest thing reminds me of uh, back in the early 20th century when car manufacturers would say, hey, we're going to do an endurance run. We're going to drive from Buffalo to Detroit. Yeah. And they made it. Well, next-gen's doing the same sort of thing. They did a, what they called a cross-country trip which is really misleading because they went from coast to coast in Michigan. So they went from Detroit <laughs> all the way west to Muskegon. And they so had they went from the four- Detroit, they went from the Detroit, Lake St. Clair to Lake Michigan. Yeah, that's it's right. Like, Whoa, that's coast to coast. And you know how many mountains and hills and high things could get in the way of a signal between Detroit and Muskegon? Zero. None. Yeah, Not absolutely. Flat. Okay. So so the idea was they would drive a car between these two cities to mm-hmm. prove the viability of next-gen data's uh, signal. Okay. And they said, uh, quote-unquote, we seamlessly transported IP to a moving automobile from four different transmitters. Wow. And it should be noted the receiver was a prototype, not even anything that's available now. But And they say that the data now is safe for commercial entertainment and vehicle navigation. We continue to ask what is it that next-gen TV will do that nobody else can do? Because I would, navigation, I, I mean, Google's got you down to three feet. Yeah, right? you know, my, between my iPhone and between the, the uh, navigation system and my dash, pretty much yeah. can get there. Oh, well. And, uh, you know, same thing for commercial entertainment, you know, uh, your Apple Play or... Uh, or Google Auto, both of them provide plenty of audio, even video if you want to, mm-hmm. although that doesn't make much sense. And, and you know, this, is, this just continues to be this PR thing that the TV stations are trying to do to say we're entering the digital era, right? Yep, yep. yep. Exactly and right. And I think, um, as one advocate asked me when I asked him, what is the one thing that next-gen TV can do that we can't do now? He said... Watch TV at 75 miles an hour in your car. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> Local television is saved. <laughs> yes, they are. Yes, this is it. You know, and, and, oh, but by the way, you lose the signal when you get out of Detroit and you're going through um, East Lansing. Anyway, um, and then you can watch it in Muskegon. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's crazy making about how, how they're desperately trying to make this work. Um, and I'm reminded of that great movie, The Great Race, you know, the Tony Curtis movie, you know, which was done back in the late, probably the early 60s, you know, where it was the race across America in the old cars. And, uh, 
and that that you know they seamlessly transported you know to a moving automobile it's like oh god you know that's just so last century but um, but but you know they're so fixated and and I and I I feel sorry for TV sellers because because the marketplace is so fixated on digital they're fixated on how many impressions going to the dashboard to see the performance of the campaign attribution digital attribution micro targeting all this stuff they're so they just get browbeaten by the by the buyers on and by the clients that that they're just they just need something that they can talk about that delivers the same thing and that's next gen tv but by the time next gen tv is out there and it is now they you're right the buyers go i got this already i don't need you for this i need you to run spots on the, you know in the super bowl i need you to run spots in the dodger game i need you to run spots in the news you know <sighs> well the the unintended consequence will be you're going to take a, a 900 dollar late news and say, I'm going to pay $300 for it because I only want to hit these five zip codes with your next-gen signal. So yeah. anyway, we beat up on next-gen all the time, so we'll continue to do that. All right, moving on. Bob Hoffman is one of our favorite, what's he call himself, a, a media weasel, media weasel? Well, they, okay. he calls himself a blog weasel. But blog he, weasel. His, but his brand is the uh, that he's the ad contrarian. That's right, that's right. And yeah. He gave us a little tip this uh, last week that the National Association, the Association of National Advertisers, reported that fraud on the digital ad business was 120 billion with a B billion. Now let's put that in perspective. Radio is about a 13 billion dollar a year, 13 to 15 billion dollar a year, or, or it was back in 2019. <laughs> yeah, more like a total TV or spend is yeah. 68. Yeah, right. Yeah, more yeah, like 12. Yeah. Total TV spend is 68 billion. So. Yeah. He's claiming that $120 billion in digital ad fraud is occurring out there. Why do marketers continue to dump money into this if this much of it is fraudulent, Keith? Uh, clients are insisting on it. And it's scary to think how much more than $120 billion is going into digital. It's, it's you know, probably uh, you know, uh, twice that at least. You know, or maybe maybe more. It's it's crazy how much money is going into digital, and it doesn't matter. You know what? They're they're okay with it. They're the uh, the people transacting it. The clients are okay with it, and that's what his Bob's point is. Is until the 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 clients and the agencies stop being okay with it, looking the other way, wink wink nod nod, it'll continue to be this way, and it's a pass through. You know, the clients give the money to the agencies. The agencies. Go to the trading desks and the third-party buyers, and they buy all this digital stuff. They get their commission. The trading desks get their commission, and 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 then everybody else along the the food chain gets their commission. But nobody's saying, "Wait a minute! Only five cents of my digital dollar is actually turned into an advertisement in of some fashion, be it a video or a display ad." It's insane, and and it's crazy making if you're in radio or television because these digital guys are getting all the money. I mean, far and away, all the money. I mean, crazy amounts of money. So you, if you add fraud into the whole thing with not even being able to track people that are on the iOS operating system, the world is starting to fall in a little bit on these on these digital giants at Facebook, Google, and so forth. And so, 
uh, you know, I'm glad that that the ANA is coming out with this because a year ago they only said it was like five billion dollars. That's what's driving Bob crazy. Bob's going crazy because the ANA isn't doing anything about it, and they finally realized how much is there, but they're still not doing anything about it. In the meantime, you're going to just see more dollars dumped into digital than than anybody thought possible. Well, I would. I'll, there's a, there's another side argument on this though, and and it's this: if it weren't working the marketers would not spend that money. So there's almost a certain built-in mechanism of supply and demand in this. Yes, we may waste half of our dollars, but we're getting a good enough response for the money we're spending, particularly on direct-to-consumer, that it's okay. And, you know, frankly, I mean, television, your radio is that way. You know, if you think about it, yes, we broadcast an ad, and out of that ad, one, maybe 2% of the people listening have an active interest in that product on radio or TV, but the rest of it's wasted, or that's that's the theory. The difference in this case is it really isn't wasted. In radio and TV, they hear the ad. It makes mm-hmm. an impression. Right. It may not be in the market right now, but we all know the lasting makes the value. Impression. It makes the impression. With digital fraud, nobody gets an impression. It's right. just... It's just gone. You're just paying for nothing. Exactly right. Well, and you know, we've seen cases, and Bob writes about these many times, and we see them in the trades from time to time, too, where major consumer advertisers, you know, like a Procter & Gamble or, you know, a Univ- you know a, a Unilever or other big brand, you know, big brand holders will stop certain amounts of digital advertising. They'll just stop it. makes it. no difference. Yeah. And they didn't, they didn't lose sales. They just stopped. You know, I mean, they were advertising other places, but they but they just stopped certain parts of their digital buys, and nothing happened. Nothing negative happened. So that's what's got them wondering about. Not only are we, you know, where we are, maybe getting some results. Are we really? What's really working? And are or are we just feeding the beast? To the extent that there's this much fraud, is just so flabbergasting that you'd think that someone would stop and go, um, hmm. And then in the meantime, you have legitimate publishers, people out there in the business world that have legitimate websites, that have real audiences, that aren't being attacked by, by you know, these, uh, you know, bots and all that, or fake sites that just, just exist just to burn advertising money for you. Starving, starving. And most notably, every newspaper website is starving. You know, right. because because they just can't get enough, not only traffic but enough ad dollars funneled to them because it gets siphoned off through all these uh, you know middlemen into all the uh, fraudster sites and, and places. So you know the web is a scary place. It's going to continue, and we'll keep an eye on it uh, in terms of uh, local guys, local sales people. Just be aware of it. I don't think you can degrade it because clients want it, the marketers want it. Everybody loves the, oh, look at how many clicks I got. You know, look at the traffic I got. But be aware of how much of it is fraud. Right. All right, we have a, a resident auto weasel or bleasel or blog weasel. <laughs> I don't know what I would call uh, Ed Steenman, except that he's our car dude. And whenever it comes to anything with cars, we love to talk to Ed. So a couple of weeks ago, we had him on briefly on the show. And we talked about new car pricing, supply, mm-hmm. demand, used cars, etc. And he made a prediction. He said, the factories and the dealerships are so happy with the profit margins they're making today. He didn't see prices on new cars coming down anytime in the near future. And you know something? Mm-hmm. He was right. He was yeah. right. You know, there's dealers and factories love these fat margins. 
They love the high uh, prices they're getting. I've got a buddy who bought a new Mercedes GLE over the weekend. He just paid a flat five grand more than sticker. Oof, yeah. Oof, oof. And they say that uh, uh, the Jeep SUV Wranglers, which are in okay. real high demand, they can get an extra nine grand over, wow. Wow. over invoice. And so the factories are beginning to quietly look the other way as the dealers do this because they're not supposed to do that. No, no. But they're doing it anyway because at the end of the day, what's the factory going to do? They're not going to shut them off. So, you Slap know. Slap my hand. I'll get a yeah, letter. Sl- I'll get a letter. Get a, that's right. Yeah, but I'm not going to get a season. And it'll be assist. registered. It'll be registered. <laughs> registered mail, yeah. Via FedEx, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, well, it, 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 you know it, it proves once again and we're probably due for another visit from Ed, but Ed, 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 uh, uh, from his his lifetime has been spent as a, as an advertising agency guy for automotive clients, automobile dealers and, and dealer groups. Ed is 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 so in tune with what's going on in their business, and he's also in a in a in a bunch of network groups too of auto advertising guys. He really has his finger on the pulse, and you know what? Ed is right all the time. I mean, you know, he never gets it wrong. He's that good. And so, you know, the next time we have Ed on, you've got to watch or listen because Ed speaks the truth. Ed speaks what no one wants to say about it. And Ed will tell you information and trends that your local dealer knows but won't tell you, okay? They'll tell Ed because he's their ad agency. Ed will tell you, but the dealer won't tell you. So when we have Ed on... It's must-see TV. Sorry, it is must-see TV. There you go. The, the further thing on this, to talk about supply and demand, Cox says, uh, Cox Automotive reports, that dealers have 60% more units in 2020 than they have today. So they have 40% the number of units they had in 2020, mm-hmm. and they're loving it. Now, so the question that I've got... Because uh, they're, they're selling them, and they're selling all of them, and they're selling them above sticker. It's great. And, it is. It, it, but how long are dealers going to hold price? That'd be my my first question of somebody like Ed. When are they going to begin to walk from deals? And don't forget how many more and more vehicles are purchased online. So you get a dealership out in uh, Little Chicago, Wisconsin, who pays $500 a year for his 30-acre lot. And he'll be happy to sell you a car for retail mm-hmm. or for 1000 under retail because he just wants to move units. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but he doesn't he doesn't sell in the same way somebody d- would in in Los Angeles or Chicago or New York. Right. So then the question is, when are they going to begin to nickel and dime away at the edge of it? I I see this lasting I don't know a year eighteen months, but at some point, dealers want share, they want volume. Same with the factories. Factories don't have any economy by running at a low volume level. Their cost per unit goes up. So I think. I think this will last for a while. We'll have to talk to Ed about it. Yeah, and I and I, my question for Ed on this will be this: is that and right now because what we're seeing is a rapid increase in interest rates, a massive increase in uh, in gas prices, and uh, and what are, what are the what's that going to do to the automotive market? All right, what's how's that going to affect sales, and um, and also you know chipping away at the chip shortage. How about that for a mixed metaphor. As the inventories grow and the desperation in the used car market shrinks, declines, you know, I think it's going to be sooner rather than later. And I think it'll be within the next six months that this this will kind of shake out a little bit uh, and maybe in a big way. And then you have a, then you have a recession. 
So you have recession, interest rates, and high gas prices. So I'm paying. Other I'm than, pay, you know, so other than I, that, what could go wrong? What could go wrong? Yeah, and the, all those things are dealerships are very sensitive to. Okay, highly sensitive to that. And you know, just because gas prices are high, does that mean you're going to go out and spend 102 grand on, a, on an electric vehicle? No, you're just going to drive less. You know, uh, or and at a higher interest rate. It's it's a. I think it's. I think we're on the we're on a, a precipice, and and no one's going to feel it quicker and sooner than and more seriously than the automobile business. Now that said, are our other categories going to be able to help? You know, radio and television ad sales guys. And you know, I don't know because this recession is going to affect you know sports betting, which everybody's been living at the trough of. It's gonna it's going to affect home services stuff. You know, because people yeah, are going to postpone goods, work. Right. You know, the consumer stuff. So. I don't think anybody has any idea what's going to happen, but I think all of this adding together is going to be uh, is going to be pretty traumatic for uh, for car dealers. We'll keep an eye on it, and we'll get Ed in here in the next couple of weeks. Meanwhile, the clock on the wall, the clock on the wall, Keith has said, "You're out of time." Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. Media Insultants drops each Tuesday and Friday. We invite you to catch them all. They're on all the podcasting platforms. Video, of course, on the on the Vimeo website under Media Insultant Showcase. So join us. We're a production of InTown Media. Love your comments. Jackson at InTown Media any old time. And we'd look forward to seeing you next week. No, we're going to be, I'll see you Friday when we'll be back with actually a special interview with the famous Brad Furr from KG Radio and how his lifestyle radio station has achieved such rapid success in the Palm Springs market. So, yep. Until I see you next, Keith, have a good week, my friend. Thank you, Jackson. You too. And it's gonna—it's a great interview with, uh, with Brad about uh, operating a locally owned radio station not to be missed. <laughs>